and placed it cautiously upon a patch of yellow. Then he brought the other foot up, and there was just enough room for him to stand with the two feet together. There! He had started. His bright oval face was curiously intent, a shade whiter perhaps than before, and he was holding his arms out sideways to assist his balance. He took another step, lifting his foot high over a patch of black, aiming carefully with his toe for a narrow channel of yellow on the other side. When he had completed the second step, he paused to rest, standing very stiff and still. The narrow channel of yellow ran forward unbroken for at least five yards, and he advanced gingerly along it, bit by bit, as though walking a tightrope. Where it finally curled off sideways, he had to take another long stride, this time over a vicious-looking mixture of black and red. Halfway across, he began to wobble. He waved his arms around wildly, windmill fashion, to keep his balance, and he got across safely and rested again on the other side. <sighs> he was quite breathless now, and so tense he stood high on his toes all the time, arms out sideways, fists clenched. He was on a big, safe island of yellow. There was lots of room on it, he couldn't possibly fall off, and he stood there resting, hesitating, waiting, wishing he could stay forever on this big, safe yellow island. But the fear of not getting the puppy compelled him to go on. Step by step, he edged further ahead, and between each one he paused to decide exactly where next he should put his foot. Once he had a choice of ways, either to left or right, and he chose the left, because although it seemed the more difficult, there was not so much black in that direction. The black was what made him nervous. He glanced quickly over his shoulder to see how far he had come. Nearly halfway. There could be no turning back now. He was in the middle, and he couldn't turn back, and he couldn't jump off sideways either, because it was too far. And when he looked at all the red and all the black that lay ahead of him, he felt that old sudden sickening surge of panic in his chest. Like last Easter time, that afternoon when he got lost all alone in the darkest part of Piper's Wood. He took another step, placing his foot carefully upon the only little piece of yellow within reach, and this time the point of the foot came within a centimetre of some black. It wasn't touching the black. He could see it wasn't touching. He could see the small line of yellow separating the toe of his sandal from the black. But the snake stirred as though sensing the nearness and raised its head and gazed at the foot with bright, beady eyes watching to see if it was going to touch. I'm not touching you! You mustn't bite me! You know I'm not touching you! Another snake slid up noiselessly beside the first, raised its head. Two heads now, two pairs of eyes staring at the foot, gazing at a little naked place just below the sandal strap where the skin showed through. The child went high up on his toes and stayed there, frozen stiff with terror. It was minutes 
before he dared to move again. The next step would have to be a really long one. There was this deep curling river of black that ran clear across the width of the carpet, and he was forced by this position to cross it at its widest part. He thought first of trying to jump it, but decided he couldn't be sure of landing accurately on the narrow band of yellow the other side. He took a deep breath, lifted one foot, and inch by inch he pushed it out in front of him, far, far out, then down and down until at last the tip of his sandal was across and resting safely on the edge of the yellow. He leaned forward, transferring his weight to his front foot. Then he tried to bring the back foot up as well. He strained and pulled.